0: Shall we shall? Shall we record? Shall we be awesome? We shall. We shall record and we shall be awesome. Excellent.
1: Hey guys, here's what's coming up. Next week, on February 28th, we will be talking about our reread of The Merchant of Death, which is the first of the Pendragon series by DJ McHale. Then, on March 7th, we will be discussing Fortune's Pawn by Rachel Bach, who is also known as Rachel Aaron. This is the first book of her sci fi trilogy, and we think you'll love it as much as we did. Also, if you're interested in doing a buddy read with Mo and I, we will be hosting a buddy read of Little Thieves by Margaret Owen in March. Hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok to be added to the chat. Also coming up in March, we will be doing a March Madness book bracket for some of our favorite books of 2021. If you want to vote, check out our weekly polls on social media. Don't forget to check out our Patreon. We have all sorts of cool perks available from our mini-series and monthly episode picking poll to bookmarks and books from our TBRs. Check out all the cool perks at patreon.com slash thebooklifepodcast. We hope you consider supporting us if you can, and we're incredibly grateful to all of you for listening in every week. Thank you. Speaking of thank yous, we want to send a huge thank you and shout out to our patrons, Ronnie, the Pirate Queen, and Sam and Megan. May your problems always be fictional. Now, on with the show.
0: Welcome back to the Book Life Podcast. Your host, myself, Mo, my best friend, Abby. Tonight, we are discussing, uh, gosh, this book was like on the bestseller list for like ever. Very extremely popular, quite well written, The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue by V.E. Schwab. So just some initial thoughts for me. I did this as an audiobook and I loved it. The voice actress was phenomenal. I don't think there was a guy in it, but you can tell through the progress of the book as Addie starts losing her accent, um uh, her French accent. It was just like, you know, cuz it was progressive because she and first started in France and ended in the States. But I love how the um the narrator just could like put that in there. That to me was a very special feature. And yeah, it was it was long, right? This was a long book, Abby. I think so. Maybe it just felt long. I think it was long. It could have just felt long. You're right on that too. But yeah, so what are, what are your some of your initial thoughts? Uh, I also listened to the audiobook. I definitely enjoyed it. The
1: narrator was very good. We were talking about this before, but like the scope of this book is so much more narrow than I was wanting it to be. Because it basically focuses on France and New York. And she's got eternal life, basically. And she doesn't bother setting foot on any other continent. Much less visiting any other country. And that bothered me. Because in her shoes, shoot, I would have been going to Japan and China and touring Africa and checking out South America. Like, it just, it bothered me. Very much so. And that pulled down my rating as I will discuss later, but
0: Mm -hmm.
1: I don't know. Uh, I understand why this, there was hyper on this book. I'm not Um, sure. I really believe that it deserved all the hype.
0: Oh, well, I'm interested to hear your thoughts about that. Why, why do you have that opinion? Because it was a great concept, but I don't feel like it was enough. So, like it needed a sequel or more fleshed out. Tell me what kind of enough. A... It just needed to be more fleshed out. I
1: get that the main story is focusing on her and Henry, but like, I was expecting flashbacks of her visiting somewhere besides Paris. Mm-hmm. Like it that was very boring. The fact that she was stuck in France for most of her flashbacks was just kind of lame, honestly. Yeah. Like, why would you not go other places? I totally understand, like, adjusting to your new life. But it bothered me that she didn't go anywhere else. Because, like, how, how narrow is your mindset? Yeah. I just, it rubbed me the wrong
0: way. It really did. Yeah, that's so, I appreciate that. I definitely can agree. I felt like it was too narrow in the past narrative where, I mean, she had so much opportunity to go places and do things gosh like Mm -hmm. i know it was 1714 in france like but you know surely she could have figured out in 18 like in like 1850 how to get from paris to somewhere besides where she was Mm -hmm.
1: exactly like even if she had just toured europe that would have been
0: better than staying in france like she did right or just hear the French countryside. Sure, let's go look at there's all sorts of neat things besides Paris. Right. France is not just Paris. <laughs> right. Well, I got some fun facts I want to share. So first one, um, maybe you felt this way that the book was not enough because VE Swab did start this book when she was 23 and finished it when she was 32. For her, she said this was her Moby Dick, her great white whale. One of the first stories that she felt truly strongly about. But she also struggled to put pen to paper and get it done. Mm -hmm. B.E. Swab's first book published was actually The Near Witch in 2011. And it was purchased by Disney and is a YA novel. I might own a copy. Maybe. I don't know, though. Sounds Hmm. intriguing. Swab also traveled to every single place mentioned in The Visible Life of Adela That was important to her. That she visited each place, so she could write accurate descriptions of the where she was. I thought that was kind of cool.
1: That's pretty cool. I'm, it it might explain why the scope of the travels was so narrow, but I still don't like it.
0: <laughs> okay. And last thing, she went to college here in St. Louis at Washu, and she made oh wow, in art, in art history, which is why we focus so much in the creative arts in these books, in this book. Really, not books. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Glad to share my thoughts or my thoughts. Well, my fun facts with you. Not really thoughts. I didn't make these things up. Well, can you tell me? Well, can you tell the audience really the summary of this book? Because we kind of jumped into our thoughts about it, but they're probably like, ooh, what are they talking about? But they probably know because they probably read this book, but can you just tell the summary?
1: Gladly. France 1714. In a moment of desperation. A young woman makes a Faustian bargain to live forever and is cursed to be forgotten by everyone she meets. Thus begins the extraordinary life of Addie LaRue and a dazzling adventure that will play out across centuries and continents, across history and art, as a young woman learns how far she will go to leave her mark on the world. But everything changes when, after nearly 300 years, Addie stumbles across a young man in a hidden bookstore and he remembers her name
0: well we also have as you mentioned some characters so Abby and I right before this episode we like wow we went and wrote down three people and like we found a list of characters and we're like yeah we don't care about anyone else
1: they're just not well, important to the story like there's not. a bunch of other characters but they are not important to the story
0: no this story is truly about three people it's about Addie who is a young peasant girl who was born in March, on March 10th, 1691, and is cursed on July 29th, my birthday, by the way, 1714, to never have anyone remember who she is when she's out of sight. I mean, obviously, main character, pivotal, very important character. Then we have Luke. He is the darkness who appears to Addie in the form of a human male and grants Addie's request in exchange for her soul. Mm. Yeah, basically makes her, you know, Live, have plenty of time to live her life, but no one can remember her. I did like how he was a, gosh, I remember how he describes himself, but he's like, you know, he acknowledged God, the Christian God, but he's like, also like, by the way, I'm also a God, a God of darkness and bargains, and you're like, but I'm not the devil, and you're like, mm-hmm. oh, what? So I thought that was very interesting, um, some mythos she threw in there henry strass he's a last word bookstore worker who is the only person that can remember addie so guys that so and again there's a whole plethora of minor characters they're so leading and unremarkable that i was kind of like meh don't care about them i do care about the cat named book because that's adorable the cat that lives inside the last word bookstore but not a major character
1: yeah they're really There's a bunch of minor characters, but because Addie isn't remembered by anyone except Henry, they literally have zero impact on the story.
0: Yep. So that's that. Well, guys, thank you for joining us for the beginning. As always, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to deep dive a little bit, a lot more actually into this book and spoil it. So if you haven't read the book, just stop now. Go away. We'll talk to you in a minute. Talk to you in a minute, guys.
1: Hi. I'm Bethany Finger, the host of Prince Kai FanPod, a Marissa Meyer Book Club podcast. Join me every week during my read-along journey through all of the books by author Marissa Meyer, one chapter at a time, spoiler free. Each episode will feature a different guest, new fan art, and laughter and joy through reading. You can find Prince Kai FanPod on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and all other listening platforms. And now, back to the show. Welcome back, guys. This half is spoilers. If you have not read The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue, please pause right here, go read the book, and then come back and talk to us. We're going to be going deep diving into uh, favorite and least favorite characters, and favorite and least favorite scenes, and then wrapping up with our ratings and final thoughts.
0: So, would you like to start off with favorite characters? I sure would. I also like how my notes are expansive, and yours are like... (laughs) Four words. So my favorite character obviously is going to be stereotypical in this one because I really enjoyed the main character. I liked Addie a lot. I can understand her yearning for a less limited life than the one that she was granted in the 1700s. Like, don't blame her, girl. Don't want to have an arranged marriage where the guy's wife died and you have to raise their kids. Like, that, like I get, like, if you're in love with somebody and... You know, they have kids and you fell in love with them. You want to raise those kids. Not arranged marriage. Hard pass. Good to go. So, yeah, I really also did not like Addie of the 1700s. I much preferred Addie of the 21st century. 300-year-old Addie kind of knew what was up. She finally got out of France, finally got to you, New York City, and she was truly living life. Jeez, uh, the 1700s Addie was just too naive. Her story was too slow. I just was... The beginning was definitely a little too boring for me on that backstory. And then like it focused so much on her getting her feet and just the subject matter didn't float my boat. It, it was like, yeah, I just want to read the good bits. And I know you've had the good bits, with the bad bits, but whatever. And one thing as well, and I wish we had seen more of her middle life outside of France, like there's just so much more in the world than just france and that's like my only critique of that character i really appreciate her resilience and i love this quote that i wrote down i don't know where i wrote it down but i wrote it down somewhere on a post-it note that i found a whole stack of them but i want a chance to live i want to be free and i want more time and that was the bargain that she made with luke and i thought that was like super like stuck out to me yeah and also i loved henry um he was the sweetest guy and i felt so bad for him because he Mm -hmm. very empathetic guy felt too much fell in love with a girl got rejected she said nope not gonna marry you so he felt like a loser he just wanted to be seen and liked for who he was and because he wanted that dear god that backfired in his face because what happened like afterwards everyone projects their desires expectations onto him leaving him unable to mani- maintain any real relationships. So like, you know, he got what he wanted to be liked, but he didn't like only one person in his life, um his best friend B was true and genuine because she for one was not attracted to him at all because she swung some other ways instead, and two, she just was already genuinely a great friend to him before his curse. And then for me, I really, really love the end of the book of how he puts together the gallery of all the pictures, and like it finally, the book makes sense. Where it's telling you about these different pictures or songs, or like there's blurs between the chapters. I'm like, what the hell are these blurs for? But they're all places where Addie had inspired mm-hmm. artists throughout her lifetime, and he gathered them all together into his gallery. The mysterious woman with seven stars, I think, is what he called it, and also um, debuted her life story in a book that they wrote together, essentially.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I loved it. I loved that. The end was perfect for me.
1: I agree. I really liked Henry. I liked his story and how he ended up making a bargain with Luke. I thought that was really interesting. I thought it was a really interesting bargain in general. And yeah, I liked his character. He was a good character. But The other character I really liked was Luke just because... I liked the sort of unstated mythos around him, of being like he talked about the Christian God, but he's not the devil. It like it gave me very much original fae fairy tale vibes. Mm-hmm. If you know what I mean, like that dark, mischievous kind of like.
0: Oh yeah, like. Well, you know what kind of vibes it gave me? It gave me vibes out of, like, Naomi Novik's, uh Spinning Silver and Uprooted, kind of. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, I completely agree. It had that really good, like, fairy tale. Like, Grimm's Brothers, Hans Christian Andersen kind of vibes. Yeah.
1: So, I really liked him. I thought, I thought he was a good anti-hero, I guess. Because he wasn't really a villain. So, what would we call him? Pro
0: oh, antagonist? Antagonist? He's antagonist. That, he antagonist? <laughs> I was like, I was like, God, what do you call him? <laughs> that- he was a
1: good antagonist. I liked that his goals were not human goals. I liked that he was very much not human. Yeah, I just, I
0: was really drawn to his character. I'm not
1: usually drawn to villains. <laughs>
0: Yeah, you're not. So I was really surprised to see him as one of your like favorite characters. I was like, he just intrigued me. Like, I wanted
1: to know more about him. I would not have been upset if he'd shown up more. I liked yeah. the way he set up okay. Addie and Henry. I liked the way that he was outsmarted and just like took it. <laughs> this is just, yeah. And I agree. The ending, the ending was excellent. Mm-hmm like it really left me thinking hard
0: right and then gosh you said something that really sparked i really wish so there was a point in what from like the 40s through the 60s where addy and luke were together like why did we not have all of that goodness like more you know what i mean or like focus on that like right like that would have interested me i generally generally wow genuinely believe that luke does love her in his own way
1: mm-hmm. in the uh, only way he knows how
0: yeah i don't think Addie loves i don't know i think it's complicated because I, I know she loves henry but i also think she has attachments and feelings for luke as well because he was the only person that could interact with her on a regular basis so she kind of grew automatically attached to him
1: mm-hmm.
0: but man like they're not really a good, healthy relationship. But I kinda Oh no, it's
1: toxic all the way around.
0: No, I kinda wanna read more about it, which is terrible. I don't like reading about toxic relationships, but kinda liked them together for a minute. All right. Well, least favorite characters? Uh this was hard for me. Like I sat here. I mean it was we're gonna like dig through minor cares i guess robbie was a creep um he was henry's ex-boyfriend that still was in love with henry and he was kind of a dick all the time to addy every single encounter because they forgot addy he was always awful but there's just not a lot and i don't know i like everybody you know yeah well
1: i feel the same way because like yeah robbie's set up to be hated but at the same time it's like he has no effect on the plot so why am I expending any sort of emotion on him <laughs> you know yeah which is kind of how I feel about basically all the minor characters like I really liked B, who was Henry's best friend she was pretty cool but again no significance to the plot whatsoever so I there wasn't really anybody
0: to hate no like You know, sometimes, like, there's these villains, and you're like, oh, they were so awful, or just characters that were so obnoxious. No one was annoying, except for Robbie. He doesn't count. There was, like, really no true villain, because I don't feel like Luke is even a villain. Like, he's just... He's not good, not bad. He kind of lived on his own code, lived through his bargains, and he was just very well-rounded. He was this very well-rounded antagonist, which is kind of weird, you know? Well, and... Part of the thing with him is that, like,
1: he's written so non humanly that you can't really hold him to the same standards you would as a human character, you know? Right. Yeah. So, like, oh, yeah, I totally agree. So, like, even if you're going up against him, you can't really consider him the villain because he's still holding to his own code.
0: Also, shows how well written this book is, too. Yes. This is definitely a well written book. Probably one of the best written books I've read in, in a while. Let's go into favorite scenes. Tell me about your favorite scenes. Okay, so I really liked the scene where she actually made the deal with Luke. I just thought that was interesting.
1: I liked his explanation of himself. I liked the terms of the contract between them. It was. It's always interesting when you get a character who's desperate enough to make this sort of bargain. Like It's interesting to kind of watch them work through what they want and what they're trying to bargain. So I just, I found that whole scene fascinating. I mean, Luke was in it also, and I liked his character. So that helped it for sure. <laughs> I really liked her meeting with Henry. I thought it was very cute. Yeah, She was trying to, you know, take a book from
0: a bookstore. Oh my God. To- when I read that, Abby, were you having kittens? I'm like, don't take that book. You put that book right back down, woman. You better go pick I was like. Book. What is wrong with libraries, lady? Well, I maybe she, she probably can get a library card, I guess. I don't know. It doesn't matter that she doesn't have a library card. It's still there for free use.
1: Like, taking a book out of a library really isn't stealing. Taking a book out of, book, out of a bookstore is stealing. Ugh. Yeah. Uh, so I really liked their meeting. I thought it was interesting how she was figuring out that, what the crap, he actually remembers me. And, like, how weird that was for her. I enjoyed watching her daily routine in New York and watching her like go back to these people that can't remember her and like go through the motions with them again, just so she wouldn't have to feel lonely for a little while. And I liked hearing about these people that like, they weren't relevant to the plot, but she knew about them from previous encounters and they still didn't remember her, obviously. So I found it interesting to learn about these people, even though they had no relevance to anything yeah and then the one side character that really got me was the guy who's selling his wife's books but not really selling his wife's books like his wife has passed away and he's theoretically trying to sell her books to make money but he's not actually really selling her books
0: just setting up his table putting out the books and reading just reading them yeah
1: right and she goes by every day to like switch out the book that she's reading
0: mm-hmm.
1: i'm just like that's so sad and so sweet and that's just one of those stories that caught me and i was like yep i'd like to know more about him please you know
0: yeah and i'm i'm pretty sure one of the scenes too she went back and she kind of knows what his favorite um breakfast is and she'll trade like the muffin for a book mm-hmm. i'm like i i love she tries to care in her own ways, and they're usually very small things, you know, yeah, so the things that really got stuck out to me would be when she was sitting at the top of the stairs somewhere in France, um she has her picnic and she has that jar of honey. Remember that stupid jar of honey that she was like so excited about, which I get it was important because it's very rare, and she's dressed like a young man because she doesn't be dressed like a woman because you go around like a woman without an escort and the aristocrat sees right through it and ends up joining her mm-hmm. and kind of um buddying up with her as well and they go have this very adventurous night where they go to a um like to a cafe and i think she had coffee for the first time there and it's one of those cafe- intellectual cafes so i just love like the progression of her evening from eating her honey on the stairs meeting this guy meeting all of these famous intellectuals at this cafe i can't remember what they were i think one was um voltaire was one of the intellectuals who walked in or something Uh, and she learned how to read i think that's when like that was her pivotal point for learning how to read was through this interaction um, and Mm -hmm. learning how much how words can really change a life Mm -hmm. ended up sleeping with the guy and wakes up and he doesn't remember her and i just felt i i like the whole thing i loved i loved i Mm -hmm. loved and then i felt sad but it was still good i like that whole shebang i loved all of her dates with henry and (laughs) meeting his friends over and over and over and how b is like i would love to paint you yeah i would love to paint you I would enjoy painting you. I'm like, girl, you said that, like, how many times at this point? And then Robbie continues to go, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you. It's like, come on, get over it, dude. Even though I know they don't know because they can't remember. But my favorite um, date was when they went (laughs) to the underground club in the subway. Like, what is this? Mm -hmm. But I know, like, that's the thing. Like, I know people do these pop-up clubs like that. But it was just like, this is so random. Mm Mm-hmm. And the end, the end was so satisfactory. I loved it. I love how Addie is like remembered forever, has a great novel all about her. And Henry's allowed to live. That was, I was super concerned. I was like, because of his watch going down, I'm like, don't die. Don't die. Figure out something, Addie. You know, and Mm -hmm. then just the whole kind of coming to a cycle where we know Henry's still going to die Luke will still get Henry's soul at the end. Addie never ends up bringing her own curse, so she still never remembered. Um, but she strikes her own bargain where she agrees to stay at Luke's side as long as he wishes her to. Mm-hmm. And you know, in her mind, she's thinking, I'm gonna make your life a living hell, dude.
1: Yeah, the ending? That was a fantastic ending. Yeah.
0: I was like, I, I did not expect it. Did you see it coming at all? Not really. I was actually kind of expecting Henry to die. Oh, Yeah, yeah, I would, would, which I would have been okay with as well, because it would have been a full circle, you know?
1: Right. And that's kind of why I was expecting it. I was expecting full circle. I was expecting it to like wrap up kind of sadly, Mm -hmm. but I appreciated that it didn't happen that way. Yeah. It was great.
0: Definitely. Ooh, gave me chills. Well, let's move into your least favorite scenes. Would you, or do I need to start a timer for a, a 10 minute Abby rant about these scenes by chance? No,
1: I just I got so frustrated that she stayed in France for so long. I'm so ridiculously
0: frustrated by this. It's just why? Well, okay. So wh- why why are you so frustrated? Explain your um, rationale. Why Addie just made you freaking irritated that she stayed there?
1: You have eternal life. Why are you staying in one city in one country? for so many years there is no reason for it like she literally just stays in paris for years and years and years decades Mm -hmm. she stays in freaking paris for decades why like you said earlier she didn't even like tour the french countryside what (sighs) i just i can't fathom staying in that one city for so long like sure it's a comfort zone but Lady, the world is so much mm-hmm. bigger than Paris. Like, even if she had just gone to the continent she could walk to, she still would have gone to two other continents. I, it just drives me nuts. Like, I would have wanted to see India and China and Japan and toured through Africa. Like, why are you stuck, Addy?
0: Yeah, and I think that's really curious, you know... Is it because she felt like a strain of trying to travel as a woman and she couldn't figure out how to do that efficiently and well, is it, you know, but I also go back to, I'm like, well, how, how much, um, what are these things called that I want to call them? What are they called? Bosoms, butt, breasts, boobs, whatever you want to call I don't know. Like, like, was she super booby. Is that why she couldn't like bind her chest and pass as a man, you know? I mean, she dressed as a guy while she was in Paris. Right. So, like, why not go and, you know, we read stories all the time about women impersonating men. Like, why not join the army and see the world? Why not join a care, a trading caravan, which I know actually might be kind of hard because they would forget her. But, you know, there's still different ways, you know, she could walk. Basically, the, you know, she was impermeable to the elements and to hunger. She could have just walked. You can walk to a, crap ton of countries in europe like all of them honestly um except for like england you can't really walk to england anyway minor details
1: yeah but still like there's so many other places she could have gone that she just didn't bother to go to and it's just right that drove me nuts because there's also so many other cool historical figures that she could have run into other than the ones that were in paris france
0: yep I completely agree. Um, I'm glad that we did get to see her travel like a little tiny bit where she got to go to the Faust with like the Wagner Orchestra or um, play in Germany. That was cool. She got to go somewhere in England with him. I can't remember where else she went. I mean, I'm glad she finally got to... Like when we got to the United States, she ended up all over. Like they're in New New Orleans at one point. Like she finally figure out how to travel once she got to the states.
1: Yeah, which is great, but she still like she had so many opportunities to see so much other stuff and she just didn't.
0: Oh, I know. She squandered it. And it just her.
1: And it just rubbed me the wrong way. I could not get past it. And it took me a bit to figure out why what bothered me about the book so much cuz I got through that fantastic ending and I'm like but I still didn't love it. Why did I not love this book? And it's because I'm hung up on this one point that she traveled so little. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure that didn't bother a lot of people nearly as much as it bothered me, but there you have it. Right. All right. So what did you dislike?
0: Um. Yeah. Well, that part that you just talked about. Yes. And also the beginning, like, I'm not sure what I was expecting. Okay, because when I picked up this book, I knew that this author had written a kind of an urban fantasy, um, a darker shade of magic. And I was like, great, like this should like hopefully be a nice magical novel and, you know, kind of be urban fantasy. It was more magical realism, more like um, a midnight library for sure.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it was just the beginning was just kind of slow. I'm like, what are we doing here? Like the most exciting part was the bargain. And then I was like, okay, what, what else? Yep. yep okay. We're going to get raped. Great. Mm, really didn't want that. Okay. You're going to prostitute out, make some cash. Okay. All right. Oh, you're starving and you're cold. Okay. Okay. Or where, where are we going to get to what's going on? Like, I was definitely like, mm, I, I did struggle to stick with it, but I knew, you know, because we had the other part that, cause it was all intermittent with each other that I, As long as I got through the Mm -hmm. France crap, I could listen to the 21st century stuff. And then eventually it got better. Like, I liked the scene where she was in the aristocrats' bedroom eating the chocolate. Mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, girl, you get that chocolate. I feel you. But yeah, I don't know. I agree. She has so much opportunity that was squandered and she wanted to live life. And I'm like, girl, are you even living? You know?
1: Yeah, that's what it was because she wanted to be free and live her life. And it's like, but you're not doing anything <laughs> right all right so what did you end up reading this
0: so for me this was a very solid 4.5 so I would read again I love it I own the audiobook because it's just so beautifully written wow was I blown away by the writing I kind of skip the chapters of her in the beginning of the book and kind of focus on more when she's interacting with people um less on the wallowing more on the adventure right I, I mean It was recommended to me by, like, three people. Like, you should read this. You would like this. Okay. I read it. You're right. I did like it. And I would also recommend it to other people as well. How about for you? So I gave this four stars, mostly because it
1: bothered me that she didn't seem to be living her life like I would have expected her to with basically no traveling. (laughs) And also, like, the slow start just wasn't my favorite. Mm Mm-hmm. Overall, I enjoyed it. If somebody's interested in reading this book, I would recommend they read it and see if they like it. Fantastic ending. I didn't feel like I wasted my time reading this. I just wanted more than I got. And that's a personal preference for me, honestly, because obviously it didn't bother a lot of
0: people. And that's fine. Well, and you talked about um, how much this book was hyped up. And you said we would talk about that more here. Did I, I mean, you did. I just
1: saw it all over
0: social media
1: on book accounts because it was so big. Everybody was talking about it for the longest time. I just, it wasn't really worth that much hype. Like, yeah, sure, read it. It was a good book. It was well written, but I mean, it's nothing that I went into it expecting at least a four and a half, if not a five star book, and I got barely a four because of that. Honest. The great ending. Like, I was honestly hanging around like a 3.5 until the ending. And then I was like, yeah, okay, the ending, I'll bump you up to a four for that. Because
0: that was a fantastic Uh, ending. So what is the hype? Like, what do people say this is such a great book for? I have no idea. Hmm, Okay. Well,
1: because when the hype was going on, I hadn't read it. And I didn't (laughs) want to spoil it for myself. Oh, yeah. So, I mean... But people, and a lot of the hype is just people saying it's a great book, but not really explaining why they think it's a great book.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, let me read to you seven reasons why you should read this book, apparently. Hey, Unforgettable Girl. Yeah, Eddie was cool. I liked her. Not sure if I would say she was like the main thing for me in this book
1: kind of ironic that they're calling her unforgettable when she was ex- exactly the opposite <laughs> i
0: know sorry um, the the dark and brooding villain you hate to love
1: <laughs> i mean i liked him so
0: yeah I, honestly i didn't feel like he was much of a villain he was just a uh, otherworldly god the boy full of storms and eh, i didn't care about that part about henry he was just a sweetheart yeah eh. yeah the rememberable quotes in this moment, she is holding to the sound of her name, her real name on someone else's tongue. It is enough. It is enough. It is enough.
1: I honestly don't remember any quotes from this book.
0: I only remember a few things. Multiple timelines. Yeah, that's fine. I, I love books, multiple timelines. Great. That reason why it stands out. The creation of a muse. That part was cool. I admit, Addie being amused to so many artisans. Yeah love that concept that was actually you know like having that 300 year span of her you know okay that she that could have been a bigger muse
1: if she'd gone to other countries
0: oh my gosh <laughs> and, and lastly finding yourself this book is about finding yourself yes. apparently. <laughs> listen, Is apparently listen it's that point <laughs> Just throwing it out there. Anyway, it is a good book. I can't say I would be like, you need to read this over a deadly education. I would thrust a deadly education in your face before I thrust this book in your face. Yeah, this would not be a
1: book that I would like thrust at people. Mm-mm. It's mostly if somebody asked me if it was worth reading, I'd be like, if you think you're interested, it's probably worth reading.
0: Yeah, I would. This is one I I would probably recommend to people who are not like heavy fantasy or heavy sci-fi, like, this is a nice intro to magical realism. Just kind of feel about Midnight Library mm-hmm. and um, Out of Una. Like, just kind of scoot those to people like, hey, you, you might like these concepts. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm. All right, guys. Well, that is all I have for tonight. Abby, you got anything else?
1: That's all I've got.
0: All right. We will see you all next week. Have a great one.
1: Talk to you next week, guys.
0: If you liked what you heard
1: today and want to help us spread the book love, drop us a rating or review on the app you use, or share the episode post on your preferred social media. Everything helps. You can also check out our Patreon for some awesome perks like access to our mini series, a monthly guaranteed episode poll, and much more. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter under the name The Book Life Podcast. If you'd like to contact us directly, you can email us at thebooklifepodcast at gmail.com. The song is theme for an unmade anime by c8 benoit from their album dominique you can find them on instagram at c underscore a underscore b-e-n-o-i-t that's c-a benoit and on spotify under their name katie benoit thanks for listening till next time